Welcome to the Legally Speaking podcast, powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Samantha Lewis, best known as the wellbeing lawyer. Samantha is passionate about all things wellbeing and focuses on this sector within the wide umbrella of retail and consumer. Specialist areas of hers include health and fitness, beauty and wellness, and food and drink, including active nutrition. Clients include a wide range, including Sweaty Betty, Rapper Racing, Wit, Huel, and lots more. So welcome, Sam. Thank you, Rob. Nice to be here. Um, you may or may not know, but we have a regular question on the Legally Speaking podcast that we ask to you real-life lawyers. Um, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, um, how real do you rate the TV series Suits? Uh, so uh, it's a mix, I guess. The you know, uh, You're currently in my office, so <laughs> the tall buildings, the glass windows, yeah, is, is kind of similar. Um, the, the the arrogance and the attitudes that go with it slightly less so we're, we're all actually quite you know unassuming <laughs> people um, hence why we're lawyers but um, no you know we don't tackle people in the street and try and shake things out of them or intimidate them but equally having said that I guess the transactions are similar we do things from huge transactions to small transactions pro bono work um, so, you know, we've got all the characters here. Um, so, I don't know, maybe a, a five. A five. I think it's levelling out at five across the series. I right. think some people are either giving it a one, a ten, or some people like you in the middle. So, I think that's probably a fair synopsis. So, before we talk about all the great stuff that you have been doing on the wellbeing side, um, take, tell us a bit more about you, your background, and, and sort of why you wanted to get into law. Mm. Uh, so, my way into law is a slightly unconventional one um so I actually you know did, did what I did at school I was in a lot of the, the sports teams um I did a lot of dancing um ended up deciding at 18 um to either go down the academic route or the, the dancing route I ended up going to full-time dance school to go um and be a professional ballet and contemporary dancer so I trained at um Laban Conservatoire of Dance and Music um, in Greenwich, um, following which I toured around with my ballet company for years. So um, had a great, great run of going around Europe with a great, great group of people um, performing most Fridays and Saturday nights um, to you know a, a whole bunch of different people and cultures, and and I loved that, enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, got injured when I was about twenty three. Um, and so I sort of moved into the production side of, of the industry, um, ended up taking the dancers on tour, um, doing a lot of like sitting in the lighting box with my headset on, telling people where to go. Um, and through that, I then took a lot more of the role of management and um, looking at, for example, employment contracts and um, collaborations with different venues, different composers. So, so I worked for a company called Studio Wayne McGregor. Um, and he is, um, he works for the Royal Ballet, um, it's a very big company, um, but they often collaborate with really interesting um, artists, whether that be, you know, lighting designers or, or musicians, or, like it could be many, many a different thing. Yeah. Um, so um, I started getting, a, you know, a little dip into the, into the legal world through that role. From there, I, you know, I took, took a bit of a step back and tried to think about what, what I wanted to do next. Um, love that I was able to kind of 
um, nurture that creative side of myself. But equally, the next thing I wanted to do, I wanted more of a, a challenge academically rather than physically. So at that time, I kind of looked at all my different options, decided that the best way to figure out, I had this idea of law in my head. I'm not sure where it came from. I think my grandma planted it in my head <laughs> okay. a long time ago. Um, Do you come from a family of lawyers or? No, not at all. Um, so my my dad was um, headmaster of my prep school. Ah. So he was headmaster for 20, 26 years. Um, my mom was the uh, the office registrar of, of, of the school. So they shared an office. How they did that for so many years is beyond me, but there we go. Um, so, you know, I had them around me all the time. My, uh, my brother works in construction. He has his own company. And um, my little sister's fairly fresh out of uni so she's um just landed her first big role at a marketing agency so all all very different wide mix yeah yeah definitely um i remember the day i sat my dad down i took him out for dinner to say do you know what dad i know what i'm gonna do next (laughs) i'm gonna go be a lawyer and i thought he'd be really happy because you know go down a nice solid professional route yeah um instead he asked me how much it was going to cost him obviously <laughs> a straight shooter then he said, yeah obviously. yeah absolutely um largely he was only joking but he's you know we have a german family so everyone just says what they think which is which is actually useful yeah um so yeah so i i actually um ended up doing a whole bunch of different um legal work experiences um my my mum's good friend kindly let me shadow her at Westminster uh, Magistrates Court. She's district judge there, so that was very interesting for me. Um, a friend of mine's wife worked as an in-house lawyer at De Beers Diamonds, um, so she let me go in and, and kind of shadow, shadow her in that role. Um, once I tried all these things, I was like, right, okay, fine, I want to be a lawyer, this is great. Um, so at that stage, I came, and, came to Pinsons and did a vacation scheme. Really, really loved my time here could feel immediately that the culture of the firm was was good and very inclusive, um, very friendly. So um, after my vaccine, they kindly offered me a training contract, which meant that I was then able to convert my dance degree um, into law degree by the GDL. And then subsequently, I did the LPC. So it's two years, two years to train post my other degree, um, which they paid for. Great. Dad's happy. Everyone's happy. Um, so, and, and that was great. Law school is, is, is brilliant. You get to meet a whole different bunch of people coming from different backgrounds, particularly on the GDL. Um, you know, I came from ballet. Um, I met people who were musicians, lots, lots of people who did history, um, tend to move into law. Um, so yeah, a really, really good, really good couple of years. Um, my, my dance company were incredibly supportive. Um, you know, they, they let me work part time and then two days a week and then one day a week and, and they were great. They, they knew that it was something that, um, or at least they felt that it was something that I was going to excel at. So I had all the support, which was, which was great. Uh, so then I finally make it to Pinsons, um, you know, big, big, scary law firm. But beautiful actually, offices, as you mentioned at the top. Offices, yeah, we've got a nice yeah. view looking out of the skyline of London, which probably say that today. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, it, it feels different here than, than other firms. And so right from day one, you know, they, they let me do largely what I wanted to do in terms of sector focus. So I kind of knew by this point, I wasn't, you know, fresh out of uni straight into a law firm. I'd worked in the office for years and, you know, I'd been in, been in the arts and I kind of knew what I liked and, and, and where I was probably going to go. Yeah. Um, 
so you do d- different different types of law. So during your training contract, I focused on corporate with a kind of sporting background and, and ballet background. You with corporate law, it's very much transactions, projects. You have a start, you have a finish. Um, everyone's in it together. There's a positive ending largely for most of these these transactions, rather than contentious work where you know people are battling. Yeah. It's you know you still have your battles during negotiations, but actually, largely everyone's aiming for this um, this collaboration, which ends up with a success story at the end. Um, so that's why I went into corporate um, retail and consumer wise. I um, I worked a lot with Tom Lehman, who's head of retail consumer here. He's a, a partner in the corporate team. Um, he he has a lot of very very interesting clients. Um, so people like Sweaty Betty and Rafa, who we've we've been working for for I think it's 17 and 20 years respectively now. Um, so Rafa, from right from inception through a whole bunch of different funding rounds, um, we just generally support them with, with corporate support and, and, and many other things across the practice areas that the firm offer, uh, and eventually to an exit. So we, we sold them a couple of years ago. Um, we, still, we still work for the company now, but it's that journey that we're able to take with these really interesting brands um, is what people like Tom and I find interesting and that's that's the, the thing that we focus on when we work on our day-to-day basis. Touching on day-to-day that was what I was going to ask you what does the day-to-day look like for somebody you know a well-being lawyer such as yourself give us a sort of a day in the life um, and we'll talk about all the other stuff outside of the office but just give us a bit of a snapshot of that. So it tends to be really mixed actually so um, I mean I, I always train in the morning so First thing is get up before everyone else does. So what does that mean? Is that sort of you're a super early person? Because anything past 6.30 is just too early. Yeah, yeah. So it depends. I, my, my partner would disagree. He rather is <laughs> earlier, but I rather, I'm the same as you. I agree. Sleep is good. Um, so we tend to get up at about half six. Yeah. Um, run out jump on the northern line which is far more pleasant at half past six than it is at like half past eight so <laughs> yeah. um you know that's a that's a good start um so we always, we head into our gym wits which is as as you mentioned one of our clients um which stands for whatever it takes love that love yeah. that yeah um and and it is and it is true it's a good you know it's a good um it's a good phrase they've got there that everyone does live and embody so it's um yeah it's cool um so yeah, we get there for half seven. Um, we do our, our programming, which so we train there every day. Um, so it's not really a question of whether you do go; you just go. Yeah. Um, the programming is is done by the coaches. So you've got the head coach there, Gus, who's this incredible personality. Who, I mean, if you see him on Instagram, he's just he oozes the kind of soul of wit. Yeah. Um, and he he programs for us, and we just do what he says, and it works. And that is fine by me. You don't have to think about it. No time spent planning. You just you just do what you're told, and you get stronger and you get fitter. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's happy. Um, so yeah, the likes of guys. We've got our, our strength coaches. I won't name them all, but they know who they are. Um, our gymnastics coaches, who you know, they get they they enable you to do things that you never thought you'd be able to do because they believe you can and they know you can. You might not yet, but give it six months and suddenly you're doing them. So. Um, yeah, it's a really really great place to train. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about training a bit more later, but back to a day in life so um yeah then it's a very swift walk over from St Paul's to the office um then I tend to have my breakfast here over emails so I'll try and catch up a little bit on industry news and then anything urgent you just start you just start going really um during the day 
so I have my, you know, my actual physical work that I that I do, um, which I won't bore you with. Other than that, lots of meeting of different people. So in in retail and consumer, particularly in in wellbeing, um, it's all about the network. It's all about the industry. So and, and by that I don't mean, you know, you go to a conference and you, and you network as such. Yeah. It's it's more that you as a lawyer are one of many trusted advisors and you have to play that role. It's not just that you're the lawyer anymore, mm. particularly in this sector. I mean, I, I won't comment on others, but for me, you have to be able to effectively be each and every one of your clients' in-house lawyer. They have to feel that you are part of their team um, and they might have the same with their PR agency or their, their marketing company. It has to be that, you know, you're there all the time. Um, and And that's how this kind of, well-being industry forms where you you know i hope that i am one of the known go-to people in the wellness sector for raising money um you know general corporate support even if it's other things like if someone needs to protect their brand or register a trademark or you know they're, they're having problems with an employee they don't necessarily know that i'm a corporate lawyer and therefore i can help them get private equity backing or you know introduce them to a venture capital firm they don't know that I just want them to see me as their gateway to their to legal services and then I can point them in the right direction when they're here yeah so yeah lots of meetings um what else do we do so today um so I've got a well-being event tonight that um that I've been organizing for a little while so I've actually been um creating little goodie bags with my PA for the last hour or What's so in them? come on oh so much <laughs> so, honestly I think they're the best goodie bags I've ever seen oh yeah we'll, we'll debate that we yeah. like to think how we do good goodie bags so come on <laughs> what do you reckon uh what have we got so we've got three classes at third space three classes at dig me we've got a whip tote bag we've got knocko We've got uh, like protein nibbles. We've got Huel bars. We've got there's so much. Okay, you're winning. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're overflowing a little bit, and I've only got eighty bags, so hopefully there'll be exactly eighty attendees. But we will see. If not, if not, if there's seventy nine, there's a spare one you can give. Exactly to that. Um, exactly that. Okay, so just want to unpack because I think it's amazing what you do, and I think a lot of people listening will be fascinated. But just how do you do that? You know, I'm thinking of you know you're obviously a you know a top UK international law firm, but maybe people in other firms, US firms, where hours are heavier. What do you think have been the benefits? And you know, people trying to get inspired, like that routine. I'd love to be able to get into that. What benefits have you found from really kind of adopting that as your lifestyle, so mm. to speak? So I think it is exactly that. It, it is making it part of your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, everyone says, you know, if, if you get into a routine of it, then you'll do it. And that is exactly true. Playing devil's advocate, though, because I came from a sporting background like you, people who maybe haven't come from so much of a sporting, maybe slightly more academic or whatever, it'd be more of the arts background. Yeah. Do you, you know, what would you say to them? Tips saying, well, you know, you it was easy for you. You're always in the netball team. You're always in the football team. It yeah. kind of comes natural to you. What tips would you give to those people in terms of, look, get, it, get involved? Yeah. I would say you've got to find something that works for you. Yeah. For me, that's CrossFit. For someone else, it might be swimming or it might be outdoor running or it might be so a prime example our our team we often go and do kind of corporate team spin for example so we've got a good relationship with dig me um and we often go down there and that's everyone from you know the partners to the pas 
the, the lawyers, the people in business development. It doesn't matter. It's all just, one, it's a nice thing to do to get yeah. there. But two, it's a good excuse to just get out of the office, go and do a little spin. And for people saying that they can't necessarily do it, like we've got a 60-year-old PA who just does it like three, four times a week. Wow. And she's fantastic. Um, so even she came down to wit with me and um, she just said to me, I will, I will try everything, but I can't do burpees. I just can't do them. And I was like, do you know what? Don't worry. I will speak to Gus beforehand. He won't pull you up on it. And just, just like trust him. Um, and bless her. He, so he got her, he broke down the burpee, which is effectively lying on the floor and get back up, isn't it? Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that takes you right back to the, the purpose of some of these movements is if you fall over, can you get back up? Yeah. And that is something that you want everyone to be able to do when from like, you know, whether you've been injured or whether you're just old and fragile, um, you know, you want everyone to be able to do that. So, you know, by the end of it, she, it was easy for her. She was just doing it. So, um, yeah, I'd say definitely find, find something that you, that you connect with, um, whatever that might be. And giving CrossFit, it's kind of day in the sun that it's so scalable. You can, you know, you've got the athletes in the CrossFit games who are incredible at everything. And then you've got people who come in, they've never done it before in their life. And you're not expected to be able to, you know, power clean like a certain, like your body weight or something. Yeah. I've taken friends in before on the weekend for slightly more relaxed, fun kind of partner workouts. And they've been terrified. And yeah. I've just said, you know, come with me. I'll show you what to do. I'll tell you what weight to put on and we'll go from there. And we've gone in. It's, you know, it's a big black box. It's kind of scary. But actually, so we were doing, me and my friend Daisy, we were doing thrusters opposite each other. So I do mine and then she'd do it with an empty barbell. And for her, it was perfect. And that was sufficient. She was doing it right. She was getting direct coaching. By the end of it, she was knackered, but she didn't feel stupid. She felt good about herself and she'd really enjoyed it. Yeah. Everyone was incredibly welcoming. You get that community vibe in the fitness industry generally anyway. Um, but CrossFit particularly, there's this inclusiveness which allows for someone to be you know, a, an athlete on, on that incredible level and also someone who, you know, can't necessarily do that but just wants to do it for fun and start improving their fitness. And, and you know, CrossFit allows for that. So, yeah, find something that you love. And you touched on it earlier in the podcast as well about the sort of strength and training and the programs and, and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's amazing because you are, you know, busy in the day job. But do you want to talk us through what that looks like and how that works for you? Mm. So I think um, I always train in the morning. Mm. Um, one, because it really gets me ready for my day. Um, often if I don't and I come straight in, I spend the first half an hour being a bit slow and sleepy and you know getting, getting into gear. Whereas if you actually got up, done a class, you know, then you come in energized. And anyone who has, you know, run, whatever it might be, if they've gone and done a reshaped class at One Rebel or, or a spin at Digme, whatever it might be, they will never come in in the morning and go, oh, I feel really tired. They yeah. always feel energized and ready to be productive. So I think that's that's something that I think your, your bosses and your, your seniors around you will always, you know, be, be an advocate for because do they want someone who looks a bit sleepy and can't really be bothered? Or do they want someone who's ready to, ready to go, they've got energy? 
obviously it's, they, they're going to take the second option. Yeah. Um, and if the reason for that is because you've been out doing some exercise, then then great. Yeah. If you weren't so much involved in the well-being sector, how would you keep motivated or how would you be connected to to this sort of lifestyle that you're doing? Yeah, I think... Because so many aren't, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I think it's a a tough question because I think either way I would be because Mm. I already was. You know, I spent years and years and years spending, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever it might have been, dancing, practicing, rehearsing, performing you know, doing Pilates, stretching, you know, that was my life. So it was drilled into me. So that kind of discipline transfers one over into my work. So, you know, you, you, you have that kind of determined, very precision based attitude from a completely different thing, but you're able to transfer over into your, my legal skill set, but also, you know, that kind of muscle memory and, and all those other things that you get from a history and sport allows me to do what I do now um so in terms of would I would I do it if I wasn't in the well-being sector actually my interest in it has sparked what I do yeah in my career um being a corporate lawyer is what I do I just have decided to apply it to a sector that I know and understand and love because that benefits everyone I get to help entrepreneurs in you know in a very close proximity to be able to, um, you know, grow their businesses globally. And, and I love doing that. And equally for them, they're able to talk their language to their lawyer. And I can translate that to other lawyers who don't necessarily understand it. So it's a really good segue between your, like, your work and, and your passion. Yeah. For people who don't necessarily have that, I think... Um, as, as I said, the, one of the main things is, you know, find something that you love. But the other thing is surround yourself with, with people who you can do it with. And that was a really key point. And I think we've mentioned, uh, you kind of alluded to it, the fact that with your team and you, you gave that case study, obviously, of um, people going together and doing that. But some people in maybe other law firms where they think there's no way these partners are going to get on board with this. And there's no way, that, you know, the, the paralegals or my other associates are going to do that. So, does it depend on the firm or do you reckon you can influence and inspire people? Because I guess someone's got to take the baton, haven't they? Say, yeah. look, this is good for business. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, a couple of points there, isn't it? So there's, is it the firm? Yes. I think Pinsons are, they do kind of, they put their, their foot forward in terms of trying to be innovative, to try and um, empower their juniors to change things. Mm. Um so, you know, the well-being sector at Pinson's didn't exist until now, which is amazing. And tonight we're launching our offering in the well-being space to the industry, which is, which is fantastic. And that has all come because people above me have been proactive, they've been supportive, and, and, and that's a really, really great thing. Um, I can understand that at other firms it's difficult. And, and you know, I've actually had many a lawyer um messaged me on instagram saying i don't get it how are you doing this yeah and and you know people also say to me this is one of my massive pet peeves is well you can't be that busy if you're going to the gym so what do you say to that then well it depends who it is but you try and draw a comparison so let's say for example someone i don't know had to pick up their kid it's like that's your priority and this is mine i don't have a child to collect from nursery so 
oh, you can't be that busy if you didn't pick your child up from yeah. nursery. Like it doesn't. I think you have to be able to understand what priorities are to people and accept them, and that's okay. Also, I'm going to the gym at half six in the morning whilst you're sleeping. So actually, there there is no difference whether who's busier, who's not. That's not really an attitude that we have here. I'm lucky in that my team are really invested in in health and fitness, um, probably increasingly so the, the more kind of I'm open to speaking about it. People see what I'm doing. And, and I think that does inspire people in the team, um, which is great. I had a, a, some, a guy in my team the other day asked me to give him some tips on like his strength programming at the gym. Because, um, you know, we, not everyone can go to you know a, a nice gym or whatever they might or they might not have time so they might do stuff at home or or on the weekends um and that was really nice that he felt that he was able to just come up to me and and yeah. ask me that and actually I was able to give him some advice that I'm not holding myself to, out to be someone who is able to give you know the advice that a coach or a PT could give but certainly just a bit of direction um and and that's really been beneficial to him we have a health and well-being strategy. Yeah. We, we're a purpose-led business now. So we try and, as I said, like empower people, encourage people to do what works for them and what works for the employees. If, if you've got someone who's able to do what they need to do to make sure that they're their best them at work, then everyone's winning. The firm is getting more out of their employees. The employees are feeling happier because they're able to do those things that, that make them happy. And I guess the other thing is also knowing knowing when you can't. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have, and this has happened many a time, you know, you might have a class booked in at, at 7 p.m. and you think, do you know what? I've, I've got a fairly chilled day today. I can definitely make the 7 p.m. class. It gets to 6.15 and something lands and you can't go. And yeah, that can be frustrating. Um, hence why you should go in the morning. Cause you can't That's what I was going to say. Think if you're a transactional lawyer, you know, mornings is the best time to go because evenings it can get very, very heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what I'm taking away from this as well is, you know, if people are prepared to invest in that in the mornings, actually you'll be a lot more energized and actually hitting those seven to 10 chargeable hours, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. you're a lot more motivated, inspired to do that. And you've just got a lot more about you, right? I guess that's what we're we're saying for that. And another great thing I noticed you guys did the other month at Pinson's was uh, a sleeping seminar. And there was Mm -hmm. some really sort of, was there sort of some top tips you would share to people about that? I mean, some lawyers, transactional lawyers say, look, I'm lucky if I get three hours sleep at the moment, I'm slammed. And it it is a real issue. It is an issue. I think don't don't be the lawyer who says, no, sleep when you're dead or whatever. Like, don't encourage that because it's not big and it's not clever and no, no one thinks any better of you because you slept two hours uh, you know that's not what we encourage here obviously there are times when you're trying to complete a deal and you do work horrendous hours and that just and it is what it is and it's the you know it's the peaks and the troughs of of your time and that's why we do it because you get those moments of adrenaline where you are you know working towards closing a deal and that's incredible what's not incredible is if you're peaking 90% of the time and that's when you know that and that's a choice if people want to work at a firm where they have to work like that then they're probably well rewarded for it here we work incredibly incredibly hard um but equally not to the detriment of people's health yeah um so sleep is uh, sleep is absolutely key so there was a, there was a time where um when I first started going out with my boyfriend where he 
kind of joked that, um, you know, he only needed six hours sleep and I maintained that I needed eight. Yeah. Um, I'm a solid eight as well. By yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, and he is so on board now. He, he gets it. Um, but he had, he, um, kind of, what's the word? Um, he, he'd, he'd been doing it for so long that it became normal and he didn't realize how much better he could feel if he had eight hours all the time. And you just can't always do that if you're working for, for, for a big corporate law firm. However, what I'd say is you just, with training and, and, and watching out for your health and well-being in that respect, what's useful is if you can try different things. So let's say, for example, I went to sleep at 3 a.m. because I've been working on a deal. I'm not going to get up at half past six and go to the half seven class. Firstly, you need to sleep. Yeah. Secondly, you're going to perform awfully and you're not going to gain anything out of it. And then you're going to get to work and be rubbish. Yeah. So that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for your coaches. It doesn't work for your employers. So instead, you've got to shift some stuff around. So it might be that actually you come in, you, you get those couple of extra hours of sleep, you come in at 10. Everyone knows that you've been up until 3 a.m. Or even if they don't, they're not going to question you coming in at 10 because that's not what we do. Then, you know, you work however you need to work. Then what I might do is go off to the gym at five, go and do a quick like hit class, something that's not too taxing, but something that will just re-energize you a bit. Then I'll probably go home and work all evening. Yeah. But obviously for some people that sounds horrendous. For me, it's it's not. It's just it's what we do. Um, but at least then you've had your, you've still been to the gym, you've still re-energized yourself, you've taken a break. Because, you know, being a lawyer, it is mentally challenging. You do, you do have to focus. There are complex issues that you have to kind of unpick. It's not, obviously, it's not an easy job. So taking a step back and actually relaxing your mind slightly and just letting your body do stuff for a bit means that when you come back to it, actually, you're going to be more productive. So what you would have done that evening in six hours, you end up doing in four hours. So yeah. yes, you might have taken one hour out to go to the gym, but you might have gained two hours back later. Yeah. So again, it's you know it's that kind of I mean, beneficial. We've, we've talked a lot about obviously going to the gym and you know being active and all of that great stuff. But you know even if for some people they can't get to that step at the moment, you know nutrition is also a big part of this battle, right? And I think lots of people again in law firms get very used to the same lunch or maybe not eating as well as they should be. You know, have you got any tips for people, you know, in terms of sort of basic nutrition or things they should try? I know you've got the five a day, but more more complex than that or any tips that you'd give people? Uh yeah. So um so a couple of things on this one. So um I can't tell people what they should eat. Um, for me, I so I'm diabetic. I'm type one diabetic. Um, so I follow a very low carbohydrate diet. Um, that's not me trying to lose weight or follow any sort of diet. It's just easier to maintain my blood sugar levels doing that. Um, so that's what I I've done, and you know I've trained trained my body so that it it is able to be fueled off those nutrients rather than focused on, you know, carb, high carb diet just because you need energy to go to the yeah. gym. Um, so, so in that respect, I guess my diet would be slightly different from other people's. Um, however, one thing that I have done where I've been training, if it's been kind of in advance of a competition and I've been particularly busy at work, um, I am an advocate for meal prep. So whether that's something that you're able to do at home yourself um, so if you've got time on a Sunday and you can actually 
cook your meals in advance and you can freeze some so that you know when you're super busy you don't have time to cook you can actually just get something out yeah. that you've made and you know what's in it you know what the macros are you know whether it's good for you or not and 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 that means you're prepared otherwise there are some really really good meal prep companies out there that can deliver to your work i mean fairly recently just before over the summer actually i had a period of about three months where i was really really busy at work and i just it's not that i didn't have time to go shopping and and cook and wash up but if i did all those things at worked i didn't have time to call my parents yeah. or see a friend so in order to kind of regain some of that time back i had a meal prep company for about three months and they would deliver to the post room here in like a big cool bag and it would be not not breakfast but I had lunch and dinner um so that meant that I wasn't eating on a whim um I wasn't ordering in every time that I had to work late I just already had food there it also meant that I got to see the post room guys every day who are yeah. great um and sometimes you can you can be in a bit of a bubble when you're working that hard where you only ever really see yourself and the people on your floor and actually you know the firm's a bigger place and and it's really nice to touch base with yeah. like all of those people. So, um, so yeah, meal prep is 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 a good one. Um, I think there's an element of you know balance that we spoke about. We've got a lovely array of clubs and penguins and <laughs> yeah. mince pies on the table here. And I am going to encourage all of us to have some, some at least something before we go. <laughs> um, there is nothing wrong with the you know the occasional treat. You just got to know when to have it and whether you know, what your relationship is with that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, prime example, like advent calendars. I said I wouldn't talk about Christmas and I have. But <laughs> advent calendars, you know, you get your little bit of chocolate every day. Like, great, have it. Why not? Like, we all work hard. If you train hard, if you eat well most of the time, then then why not? And the other thing is drink loads of water. See, that's interesting. So I've always been a really big advocate of drinking loads of water, and I, I drink tons anyway. And someone was trying to say to me the other day, no, it's really bad for you to drink lots of water. I was like, how is that possible? Yeah, did they have any backup to <laughs> no, that? No, it was just, yeah, I was in the pub, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't really take that for bait. There's no context to it. So, um, okay, moving away slightly differently then, uh, treadmill desks, good or impractical waste of time? If I'm honest, I'd have to say undecided because I've never seen one. No. I think there's one on the sixth floor. Okay. But I don't know. We we had, I guess, similarly, we had um, a sort of a, a, an air bike that was okay. in this container that apparently meant that you didn't sweat in it. I It just sat there unused, to be honest. It, I think one of the reasons for going out and, and doing a class or whatever that might be is to get out of the office. Yeah. We're here all the time. And actually, it's like when people say, go out for lunch, don't eat at your desk. There's a reason that you go and you come back and you come up with new ideas or, you know, you've had a bit of a breather and you've got unstuck in a, in a little complex problem that you've had because you've had that headspace. So do I think you should be on a treadmill whilst doing work? I mean, bonus calories, I suppose. <laughs> but ordinarily, I personally, with the work that we do, I mean, I would need to have a real focus. If there was one initiative you could include, which you know, you know, maybe a little bit contentious, is there anything you think from working a law firm, I'd love it if that was in place or you'd like to introduce? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, weirdly, I think that we're starting to kind of get there on a few things. So part of the thing that we're really good at here is 
this we've moved agile um in the last kind of year or so so um you know we don't have set desks anymore um which um which means that people feel like they can they can manage their time better and that, and that their time is their own um and yes you know you have to you have to log seven hours of your time a day but no one's to say that it has to be between x hour and x hour there's 24 hours in the day and you can record that time as and when you want to so it means that we can do the things like i said earlier about you know come in half an hour later if you're going to be here until midnight then do you have to be here at 8 a.m no probably not um you know and then lunchtime if you want to actually run down to the barry's and Finsbury's set square or whatever it is um then you can just run and do that and then come back and and you know actually it's starting to become accepted that people are doing that and actually how can you frown upon someone going to a fitness class over their lunch break and then you know sitting and you know having having whatever they eat afterwards rather than Going well, out and sitting for lunch or something. Meals is what they're eating afterwards, right? On absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Nothing just brought on the way back. Yeah. Um, or a shake. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's the perception of it, and interestingly, I think the more everyone talks about it and is open with the fact that actually, yeah, they are running out in the middle of the afternoon to go into fitness class, but then they're coming back and working really late. Then it does become more of the norm and and the challenge is that not everyone does fitness and that is fine yeah people's priorities can be something else and you know you don't have to enforce fit health and fitness on anyone um often people will pick up little bits here and there and if people are improving one thing in their day that they weren't doing before because of this openness around health and fitness now and the increased interest in it then then great but equally if they want to go for a beer at the pub after work rather than going and doing a team spin yeah. like that's fine too and you know we still do that it's all about that i hate this whole balancing but it is all about balance yeah and um, we you know we go to a class together and then it's like a whip on a friday evening everyone goes straight after work to the pub what we do is we go and do a class called wick gone bad it's absolutely hectic everyone just kind of really goes for it gets you know, really sweaty, high fives everywhere. Like it's it's great. It's a really good atmosphere. And then we will finish it, and then we go to the local pub. Yeah. And and that's really fun. And you you know having that social network at your gym actually kind of makes you be able to kill two birds with one stone in some instances where you don't necessarily have time to see your friends. But actually, if you're training with them in the morning, then in between sets you can catch up on what you know how the family is or you know all of those other bits of your life that you kind of are able to consolidate, yeah. which is great. Yeah, definitely. And before we wrap up, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask as well, because you touched on sort of competitions. Um, you're very active involved in the Pinsent sports teams. I know you came sort of very close on the Law Society 7s recently as well. Um, do you just want to sort of tell us about some of the competitions and things you get involved in and sort of, yeah, some of your highlights? Yeah, so, yeah, so the netball team. So we have a, a great netball team here. Um which is it's really fun, actually. So we've got What's sevens. I play centre. Okay. Only because no one else wants to run around as much <laughs> as centre. So even if I didn't, if it, that wasn't my position, my position at school was actually goal attack. And then it's amazing after a few years out of it that you just can't hit, you can't throw it in the goal anymore. <laughs> I thought, I'm, leave it to other people now um, and just run around and look busy. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a great rugby team. Um, we've got mixed rugby. 
um, trying to think about. There's loads of random things. I think we've got a softball team. Yeah, we do have a softball team. Um, and it's a really interesting way, actually, to meet people in other departments, to kind of, um, I, this network is probably the wrong word, but connect with people yeah. of different levels. Plus, like, I don't know, it's one of those other things where the, the firm like the fact that we've got those sports teams and they like to get behind us. Um, and yeah, so Sevens actually used to only be a rugby tournament. And then thankfully they introduced netball as well a couple of years ago. So our, our rugby team and our netball team go along every year and it's a really fun day um, and we tend to do really well, which is, which is great. So competition-wise, so I'm actually relatively new to competition. So um, I started off with my first comp at Turf Games um which um which started off um well the my involvement started off a couple of years ago um in the in the team competition so you have the summer one and the winter one so did did the summer did the winter um ended up I was in a mixed team me my boyfriend um my friend Alice her boyfriend and our other friend Jamie who's an absolute monster is huge so he just you just tell him what to do and he just yeah. picks something up and takes it over there. It's very useful. Um, so it's really, for me, team competitions are so much fun. You, It's all about kind of collaboration. You, there's a lot of tactics involved. And actually some people often say, oh, you know, I don't really want to do a team competition for fear of letting someone else down. Mm. But actually, if you're in the right team, you'll never feel that because no one will ever make you feel that way. And actually, the good thing about it is you are able to pick someone else up where they would fall down. So, for example, I'm not a great runner. So there might be something that's a part running event and part something else. So someone who's a cracking runner will go out there and take most of the running meters. And then where I might be better at, you know, lifting something slightly heavier or whatever it might be, then I kind of take that on for them. So yeah. that kind of give and take. Is, a, is one of the reasons that I really like team comps. Um, so then what else have we done? So I did um, Fittus in the City, which was, um, it, it's an individual comp of Turf Games, um, which has kind of since their, um, their collaboration with Under Armour. So I did, I filmed with Under Armour. Um, yeah, tell us about that. So it's an interesting one. So um, Under Armour basically wanted to do kind of intro videos with a couple of the athletes who were going to be um, competing at the individuals um, to basically try and similarly to what you guys are doing actually kind of um, like educate people on how how you're able to do things when and when there's blockades in the way so for example with with the guy who did it this guy called Tom Bliss he um, he's an ex um, sportsman um, I think he was injured and they kind of took the angle with him of that kind of like ex-sportsman turned PT, um, but also like fitness competitor. Um, and then the angle for, for me was about this kind of um, full-time professional um, and the kind of the resilience that it takes to also compete alongside these, these athletes. Um, so it was super interesting. So they just approached me and they, um, they, they came to my house at like 6am and followed, came on the tube with me to wit and, filmed at wit did you feel like a celebrity it was honestly <laughs> bonkers like I, you know i'm not not used to being filmed in that way and um you know i think they wanted to they wanted it to be real people um yeah. who who aren't necessarily used to speaking to a camera or, or being in front of a camera um and i think i hope at least they found that it was 
fairly authentic and you know you, all you can do is say what you think yeah I know you can probably tell I haven't pre-planned anything we've spoken about so yeah so it was really really interesting and like the Under Armour guys are great like really really interesting to work with um and then all of the new stuff is amazing I bet yeah, yes. Is any of that going to be in the freebie nice. goodie bags later on? Any no, actually, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Because I actually said to them, I can't think of anything that you could put in 80 goodie bags because, you know, yeah. that, unless I ask them to put in 80 pairs of trainers, and I don't think that's very reasonable. Um, but they are coming this evening, which is really great. So, yeah, no, it was really, really fun. And it's nice to do these partnerships where, you know, it's, that it's not that that's not my career. I have no intention to work in the fitness industry as you know a coach or an influencer or anything like that all I want particularly through um the well-being lawyer stuff is I want I want to be able to give people access to what I do on certain different levels so one is exactly what we spoke about about being a busy lawyer and how to to fit in and manage your time to to do those things that you you are a priority to you um the other thing that is really important to me is I've had a lot of diabetics contact me to ask various things like, you know, even from, you know, how, how do you live with it? How do you manage it at work? How do you manage it in a competition? I literally this morning had someone asking me that and actually the answer was it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's trial and error. It's understanding your body. Um, it's having a good medical team behind you, good friends and supporters around you. And, you know, I've, Fairly recently got the um, the Freestyle Libra, which is a monitoring device for, for your blood sugar levels. And, and you have it on your arm and it's suddenly very exposed. Um, and I was, you know, a bit worried about it because it's a big piece of plastic that's just sticking on your arm. And I've had, you know, people say, oh, you know, is, is that like a nicotine patch? And I'm like, no, it's not a nicotine patch. It monitors my blood sugar levels. I'm diabetic. <laughs> but actually what's brilliant about it is I've had two young girls at the firm come up to me and say, look, do you know what, I'm, I'm diabetic, I'm really struggling with with dealing with it, and, um, you know, my, my family doesn't understand, or my friends don't understand, and, you know, I don't, I'm worried about telling people, um, I don't want people to think that I'm different, or, like, weaker, or whatever it might be, and to be able to just sit down and have a chat with those people, and give them my experience, or try and connect them with other diabetics at the firm that they didn't know were there, um, and make them feel slightly less alone in it. Yeah. Um, then that's great. And another really, really nice story, and I imagine this is probably the last one, but um, for example, we were talking about the Turf Games competition. And um, so our team was in the elite final and we were just setting up to, to go. And suddenly this girl started running over to me and I was like, it looks like she's coming to me, but I don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah. And um, she just came over to me and she kind of looked a bit teary. And she was like, I just wanted to say, like, I'm type one too. And, like, what you're doing is really inspiring. Like, I, you're in the final. This is amazing. Like, doing it for the type ones. And it was honestly, it really, really touched me. And it was, it was such a nice moment because there was this unity of kind of fitness, but also this, this condition that we live with on a day-to-day basis and how those things are able to coexist even though a lot of people think that they can't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think the reason that I have this kind of personal brand is, is, is twofold. One, it's to, you know, promote myself in the sector of what I do and, and you know, the service that I can provide as a lawyer. Um, and then secondly, to, if I can, you know, contribute to well-being generally to anyone who might be seeking help, then, then great. 
Great stuff. And I think you, you sort of summarized it perfectly there. For people who do want to follow you as well on Instagram, give a shout out to how they can follow you. What's your, what's your ad? Uh, the Wellbeing Lawyer. Wellbeing Lawyer. There we go. So, um, Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I think it's been pretty inspirational just being sat here. Uh, I need to get my routine of gym fitness <laughs> back, on, back on track. So, thanks so much for all your, your insights. I just do want to put on the record, though, I do a very good arabesque. So, oh, well, there we can you have go. a competition sometime. My friends will say I'm a dad dancer, but don't go for that uh, but yeah no, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, thanks so much and uh, yeah hopefully we'll have you on the show at some point in the future so you can tell us more about what you're doing thank you for having me